really do. You're a 21 year old punk fucking kid. This grandpa's given you everything all your fucking life. You've never had a car payment, a house payment. Everything you live in was given to you by grandpa. You fucking don't know what it's like to work for a fucking living like I do. To bust my fucking ass and do what I do. And you know what, Sean? You fucked me, and that's the way you got it. But you know what? Your grandpa's money will run out someday, and you'll have to feast for yourself. Get a fucking job, you piece of shit. Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef from Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are recording above the butcher shop in Spring Valley uh, with my man Derek Marceau from Valley Farm Market. And it is 2018, and we are about to get after this uh, this year, podcasting, talking business, talking marketing. It is the calm after the storm. The storm has left uh, for a little while, and now it's time to put all the little puzzle pieces back together. That's right. It's it's pretty pretty gnarly though. I mean, these holidays, you don't really realize how much it takes out of you. But you, you got to be what, down with the sickness, like the rest of us. You have to. <laughs> Who didn't get wiped out by the sickness this season? You know, Jack, Jack. I did not. I did not get get it. I I got it about two months ago. And I think I was a person that brought it to San Diego. The flu? Because, I mean, your patient zero, dude. I had to have been You're because I, I haven't got it. My wife got it. My kids got it. I, I was good. I was golden through the whole thing. Could be that I'm working out again and you know starting to feel better and my immunity's high. But who fucking knows? Mm-hmm. I know you got wiped out by it, Sean. I did, and I never get sick, which is fucked up. I always make fun of everybody for getting sick, right? And it certainly uh, it hit me, and it hit me hard. But you've got a new young one, just like I do, and that's why you're getting sick. (laughs) This is true. This is true. So this is Business and Marketing Podcast. We come out every Friday. Um, We're really thankful for all the people that have tuned in, that have written us a review on iTunes. Um, That means a lot to Derek and I. Uh, We talk about the entrepreneurial struggle. We talk about business being messy. Uh, that's why you have that voicemail at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, that was a former business partner of mine. Uh, there's a lot of struggles that happen in business. And as much as we all want to jump off the entrepreneurial cliff, work for ourselves, um, there's a lot of struggle that happens along the journey. And we're just fortunate to have this podcast, this platform to talk to other people that are doing really cool things, people that we admire. And uh, hopefully you guys can learn uh, some of the pitfalls that we all make so that you guys don't make them. And we're here to be a resource. So those of you that have reached out by email, by Twitter, by LinkedIn, by doesn't matter how you how you get a hold of us. You can call me, text me, um, hit up Derek, uh, all of the Send me emojis. I love emojis. <laughs> Big fan of emojis. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. And uh, today is, is kind of special. Today is very, very, very special. But to kind of hit on what you were just talking about, I was talking to uh, one of my customers this morning about um, my goals when I first came in here and to uh, where where I thought the the store would be in in two years when I first started ten years ago, and it's it's far further than you know what it, we're at now but it's just kind of embracing that process and understanding it and jumping off that cliff and it doesn't come easy and you know everything we talk about it's it's been cool to uh do all this alongside you and excited I, to but yes today is very very exciting for multiple reasons multiple reasons multiple but one of the coolest things about our relationship sean is that you've introduced me to some of your childhood friends and i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but my favorite so far <laughs> has been this guy that's sitting with us right now, Jack Harris. Jack uh, Harris, welcome to the podcast, Blue Lagoon Coffee. Um, 
Welcome, my friend. Well, thank you very much for that intro. Yeah, very kind was, of you. Uh, you know, we have we have to be nice every once in a while. Every once in a while, to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah but this is uh, probably going to be the toughest podcast to get through because I didn't do any prep work for it. I don't see any <laughs> tissues out like, here. Why the aren't there fuck? any tissues? Usually, I, usually I go through like five pages of deposition, oppo research, all this that I'm going to dig into, and I just know this motherfucker for so long. <laughs> I know it's awesome, and it's awesome. I mean, we've had you know different uh, poker nights together, and you know doing different things and it's been great to uh get to know you jack but let's talk a little bit about um blue lagoon coffee man i know you've kind of taken this jump to to do a, a new venture on your you know and talk us through what what are you doing yeah so blue lagoon coffee is going to be opening this next monday january 8th wow on 43 in la mesa in la mesa. la mesa california which is close to valley farm close to cali stone throw away stone throw in the neighborhood that's right yeah 4330 palm avenue We'll be uh, open seven to two every day, seven days a week. Uh, yeah, it's a completely new venture, new direction for me in my life. Um, <clears throat> you already getting emotional? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the last 15 years of my life, I've been in commercial real estate, been you know doing that since I was 20, um, pursuing that, moving in, in passionately and aggressively in that direction. And uh some things we may get into a little bit later, you know, have led me to, you know, kind of this crossroads, you know, having children, kind of trying to figure out what's, uh, how I want to spend my days, my, you know, reorganizing my priorities. Uh, all those things have kind of led me to where I am today, you know, five, four or five days out from opening a new coffee shop. Um, but it's kind of what you, everything you guys are doing, it's about following passion and about doing things that you really care about and, um, showing and proving to yourself kind of first and foremost that you want to get up every day and do something that you care about. Um, listening to the Tim, the cooking guy podcast, it's like my story is very similar to his, you know, you know, going to a corporate situation, gritting your teeth through it, white knuckling the wheel when you pull into the parking lot, you know, cursing yourself for putting yourselves in these situations every day, day in and day out. And, trying to ask, like, how do I get out of this ever? You know, I've kind of created a persona, uh, uh, a whole lifestyle uh, with friends and family and colleagues that, you know, I'm this commercial real estate guy. And, sure. you know, kind of how do I back myself out of that? Yeah, you have your own identity. Yeah. And now you have to do Yeah, and that it. whole process has been just insane and crazy. And it's still an ongoing process to this day. And I've, you know, I've got more work ahead of me than I've, than I've accomplished so far. But... Um, it's been fun, but yeah, Blue Lagoon is, is, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a small takeaway espresso bar, um, that will be only takeaway service. Uh, we'll be serving espresso, uh, really interesting and fun drip coffee. I brought a little bit today. This is our house coffee. It's bomb. Um, and then we'll have a rotating single origin drip coffee as well, um, that we'll be serving on our ground control. Brewer. So what does single origin mean? So there's typically kind of high level like two two styles of coffee there's blends and then there's single origin and single origin really represents that this coffee comes from a specific place so it comes from a specific country a specific region in that country uh and typically a specific co-op within that country mm -hmm. so the coffee farm coffee farms are really fragmented Coffee's grown in, a, in, a, in an area called the Bean Belt around the equator. I think it's like 30 degrees north and south of the equator. And 
there's over 10 million coffee farms in the world and they average three to four acres of farm. So you can imagine how challenging it would be to get coffee from one specific four acre lot. One source. It yeah. can be done. It's called direct trade. It can be done. But typically how these coffee regions are set up is that they all funnel into a cooperative that is a processing cooperative. And then that cooperative becomes kind of like the branded uh, single origin for that region. Okay. So all these families, they're all, typically all family farms. And these are cash crops. And coffee is just one of many cash crops that these uh, families grow. So what a single origin coffee will be is more of a direct expression of a location. Okay. And a blend is something more like let's take different expressions and blend them into something that's typically the most palatable, the most enjoyable for uh, the average user or just for usability for a cafe. It just, it's more consistent, mm -hmm. you know, single origin stuff can be, uh, can be more variant, which makes it exciting and fun to work with and to taste through. But um, it can be um, more challenging with training and turnover and onboarding and all those things to, to have people work with single origin coffees because they are so variant. Talk about your process of, you know, being in a corporate job and knowing that that isn't what you wanted to do and struggling and, you know, how you decided on coffee. Because, I mean, you've told me that you, there are a couple things that really drew your interest. Uh, tell us how, how that came about. Yeah, I mean... You know, in Sam's podcast where he said, I love real estate, I love the, the deal side of it, but the details were always fuzzy. You know, yeah. for me, you know, I was, uh, I'm a commercial real estate broker in the state of California. Uh, I'm a CCIM candidate. So like I've gone through all the technical training, but you know, when you're not truly deeply passionate and interested in doing something, it's hard to really have the uptake and like absolutely pour yourself into it Yeah, to like hear about Derek talk about short, short hooked Angus out of Ireland and right. Holsteins and all these other different animals. Like he's passionate about, it. he loves it. And so for me, I was always just kind of pushing water uphill. So it's like, as soon as the effort stopped, it all just kind of flooded back down. And I was just like constantly restarting and effort was just having to always be ramped up and ramped up. And that you could, it was, that was, in line with frustration and challenges. And so I, my, my corporate life was kind of a wild one, but it uh, kind of led more into like the real personal side of my story of, of how I got to where I am today. Um, I was really much more impacted by uh, a situation that happened with my old boss and mentor than I was really more by the business. Like I, I, I liked what I was doing in commercial real estate, but when I lost my mentor in 2010, um, to, to suicide, it, it was a turning point in my life that I had no idea I had, I had, I had, I had turned down, you know, right. yeah. it, only until kind of recently I realized and acknowledged that like, that was this major turning point in my life, um, that drove me out of real estate. I think when you're in it, you really don't even understand it yet. So it took, it took a while to be, you know, a few years out to look back and be like, you know, that's, that's exactly what it was. It was at that point. Not, I, I wasn't consciously doing it, but that's what happened. It was that I, I lost this guy who was my mentor and, you know, took me down a different path. Yeah. And I recently I've been like processing it a lot more and thinking about it a lot more because this coffee shop is real now and it's going to happen. Yeah. And it's, so it's like it's there. I seen it. Yeah. I done seen it now. And so <laughs> it's the way I describe it to myself is I loved playing for the team that I was on early in my life. It was uh, my brother-in-law, my mentor, and a great group of people that we were finding 
mispriced real estate and opportunities and we were executing game plans and it was such a fun and exciting period of time in my life. And when Alan passed away, that all changed. That team was no longer there. And the way I, what I, how I compare it is to like how Jackie Robinson ended his career. And is that he was traded from the Brooklyn Dodgers, I believe, to the Giants. Uh, it might be a different team, but he was traded and he chose to retire because he was loyal to the Brooklyn Dodgers and right. he didn't want to play for any other team. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for people to understand that. And I think that I did a poor job of processing that, but also letting people know that that I was kind of like Jackie Robinson. Like I just wanted to play for that team. That's yeah. what I enjoyed. And I kind of, after that, after that experience in 2010, I just was putting, I was trying my hardest to put forth the effort and, and, and like what I was doing. But the reality was I didn't want to do what I was doing anymore because I couldn't play on the team that I wanted to play on. Sure. Right. Well, I mean, Alan, that's a great analogy, actually. That's, you know, that probably, that helped me understand. I mean, that's, it's, it's hard and it's, it's probably hard to be able to look at that and, and be self-aware enough to say that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, I'm having a hard time playing for a different team. Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to adapt and I bounced around to different companies trying to do a lot of the same things within real estate for, for, but on playing on different sides, one being sold to the other side, selling to other people and just trying to find my place. And I just, if you ask my family or some of my close friends around me, I just could never find it after that day. And I was really, what I was trying to do was be the person that I was the day before Alan died for the last seven years. And that was uh, took an Im- incredible emotional toll on me and my family and my loved ones and a lot of different aspects of my life, just trying to recreate something that couldn't be recreated and couldn't be salvaged anymore. Sure. So it was like the culmination of like six years of trying to recreate a life that would never be again just led me to this this kind of this precipice when my second child was born, Russell, uh, literally just quit the whole entire industry. That's 14 months ago, right? Yeah, it's October of last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was, she was alive for, you know, a day. And I'm like three in the morning in that, you know, crazy sleep deprived hospital room trying to knock out some real estate reports. And I'm looking at my son and I'm looking at these reports and I'm thinking in my head, how do I want, what do I want for his life? How do I want him to play out his life? And I'm thinking about my own life and how I'm just like pretending and doing all these things that I don't want to do. And like literally right at that moment, I was just like, I'm out. And I just like wrote, wrote my partner at the time. And I was like, let's unwind this thing. Let's, let's figure out a way out. I got to get, you know, move on. And wow. within weeks it was over. And then I was just at this, you know, two lava rods. I was just like this blank slate. I had no idea where I was going to go, what I was going to do. And so I just started kind of formulating ideas and thoughts about where can I take my life, you know? And it's funny to look at because having kids will make you do that sometimes. I mean, probably a lot of times. And it's, you know, thinking about what do you want for your child? And if you want certain things for him, you can't, if, if you're not being the example I mean, it's it's not going to work. I just had it the other day. I had, you know, I was drinking a, a, I don't drink Diet Coke very often, but I was having a soda and um, my son said, I wanted, he's like, daddy, I want some. And I'm like, no, no, you can't have that. That's bad for you. 
I'm like, why the fuck am I drinking it? I know it's bad. I have to be the example. And going back to what you're saying, it's like, if you want him to follow his dreams and be the best he can be, you have to be the example and do it yourself. Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like you ask yourself some of those big questions in life. Like, what's the purpose of your life? Like, I'm not religious, so I don't have that as something that I pull from to mm-hmm. find those answers from. But this process, what it's taught me is the meaning at this moment of my life is that you have these successes that either pan out or they don't, but it's like the story of like the Phoenix, you know, it's like, it's, there's this death and then you rise from it again and then that can die and then you can rise from it again. And it's just this pattern of, of trying to find yourself in success and it either works or it doesn't and that can fail, but having the ability to pick yourself back up and move on. Like a, a, a story that I carry with me and it's, it's a crazy one. I not only get too detailed into it, but um, Whitney's uh, aunt Patty, she had her, her, her son passed away of cancer, I believe at 36 years old. And this Jim was just this incredible young man. And I couldn't imagine how she processed that and, uh, and Patty and Tim, how they processed that and his brother, John. And it's like, that's a situation that is like an example of my situation at times and other situations of like, yeah, your life just got burned to the ground. What are you going to do? Are you going to pick yourself up and rebuild your life and like rise from the ashes of this situation? Or are you going to use this as a label that is who you are now for the rest of your life? I'm a victim of a tragedy and I will now live my life through tragedy and through being a victim. And what I, how I've seen, trust me, it hasn't been easy, but how I've seen Patty and Tim and John and, and Lolly and them respond and put together charities and carry on his, his image and how he lived his life and sure. honoring him. It's like they have risen from those ashes and like risen from that unbelievable experience that none of us can even fathom having our own children. And she's happy. You know, she has her dark, her downtime, but she's happy. She's funny. She's an amazing chef. She lives in St. John. And uh, she is another inspiration for me of like, look, like your life can crumble and fall apart. But the whole meaning of life is being able to pick it back up and recreate something new. And just never stopping that. Right. When you stop it, yeah. that's when you give in. And then you're just in your apartment. And the, the blinds are drawn. You're on the TV. You're kind of reclusive. And, and I've, you know, I've, I've been through those emotions myself too. But is that's, that's kind of where I am and trying to rise up out of those ashes and using other people's examples of success in that same way. Well, it, and It's very important that you recognized in the hospital you know, with Russell and you're looking at the reports and you're looking at your son and, you know, you guys both know this, I haven't shared it, but when you become a father, every single time you look at your children, whether it's a girl or a boy, you see a reflection of yourself and your wife and exactly what Derek's talking about is what do you want to teach your children? And, you know, for me, i never knew my father, you know, I never knew my father. And it was something that as Colleen started to grow up, you know, my mother told me this story, you know, that, you know, he was a Olympic swimmer in Venezuela. They met and 
at six months old, she moved back to San Diego so that my grandfather could raise me. And that was the only story I knew. I saw two pictures of him and, you know, my grandfather raised me. He was my father. And that's something that I've never been, oh, well, you know, I had a shitty life because I didn't know my dad. It was never like that. It was, you know, I was blessed to have my grandfather raise me. But as Colleen got older, I was like, well, I want to know the answer. You know, we live in a world where the internet, the answer is there. You know, we didn't even have to look very hard. You know, I asked my mom other questions to help us find in. And, you know, I found out that he's living in Pueblo, Colorado, and, you know, he doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And you'd think that I'd be upset with that, but I'm not. I'm actually not at all. You know, that's that's his choice and that's what it is. And now I can move on and I can go and I can be an example for Colleen. And now when Colleen asks me, hey, you know, who's who's your dad? Like, why, why isn't your dad around? I'm like, he's just not around. You know, I know the answer to that. It's a really important thing to have your, your father around. And it's, you know, your my dad had a similar experience where he didn't have the benefit of having a father around. Um, you know, your grandfather was your father, so you you know you benefited from that. But it's um, I, I talk to, I tell my dad this all the time, and I tell Steve Steve Warfield, my my father in law, all the time that you know they they're getting older. You know, their backs hurt, their knees breaking down. My my mother in law just had major spine surgery, and she's recovered amazingly from it, and is walking six miles a day, but. Like what I talk to my wife about is it's like they're showing us how to age with grace. They're showing us how how we should do it when we're older. And like those are some of the those like subconscious benefits that you get from your being around a dad, right? Being around your mom. It's just like you know they could bitch and moan about it all day long. They're in pain all the time. They have discomfort. Sure. They've got fears. They've got you know they're looking out. How much longer am I alive? All these different things that could consume them, but. They turn away from that, and instead they have grace and humility, and they show us kids like how to how to behave when we get that to that age. So then we can pass that on to our own kids. And so, I mean, you know, just as important as it is for us to be a father to our kids and to be there for them, it's just as important. You don't realize the impact that you can have. Like I'm sure your father never realized the impact that he would have on my life watching him as an entrepreneur start Blue Lagoon as a pet store. Tell us a little bit about the entrepreneurial path, because even though you worked this corporate job, you know, working for Al Jaffe, who was this patriarch, this man that embraced life, that had this passion for real estate, had this passion for making things better. You, we both grew up watching your father and your mother own businesses. Uh, tell us a little bit about Yeah, so that's kind of the origin story of Blue Lagoon, the name at least. I was born here in La Mesa, uh, Kaiser Hospital, and my dad had a store right here on Fletcher Parkway. Pet store. Uh, Pet store, yeah, Blue Lagoon Pet pet Store, and uh, which then morphed into uh, a different company several years later. I think it was 1972 it opened. so the kind of the simple story is this Blue Lagoon Coffee is a simple way for me to kind of honor my dad and let him know how much I appreciate him and his story and his whole uh, experience within, you know, starting something that he knew very little about and was just like, I was going to, he was going to be a speech pathologist. Like that's what his major was at San Diego State, which he didn't even finish. Yeah. You may not be happy that I said that. It's behind the smoke. It's fine. It's totally but yeah, cool. he was on a completely different trajectory. And when he met my mom, he just they wanted to create a life and they wanted to have a family and they they wanted to have security and peace of mind. And so they just poured their lives into it and slept in their stores and 
built everything themselves and had kids along the way had kids yeah along the way and and made it all work and set a great example for me and my two sisters what gave you the passion about coffee i mean so let's uh, kind of indulge in, in that i i'm not a huge coffee drinker but what i do know is that i just had this coffee and i'm all hopped up now but um <laughs> it's not so <clears throat> When I do have drinks, I, I don't want to put a ton of sugar in it, um, especially with the, what I'm doing right now. And this isn't that real bitter black coffee that I'm used to drinking. This is, but this is this considered black coffee? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is it's like amazing. Un- I mean, no, it's phenomenal. Yeah, there's no no milk, no creamer, no sugar, nothing. nothing just straight black coffee. Oh, Phil, give me. Don't, you got, I got you. Come I got on, you. Guy. I'll barista you. <laughs> I got you. Make sure you put one of those fancy little <laughs> leaves or. Uh, uh, I want a heart. Can you put a heart? Yeah, with like properly extracted coffee, you know, there's like three there's like three phases of it. There's like acidic, which is under extracted, there's bitter, which is over extracted coffee, and then what sits in between that is sweet coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get balance, nuance, subtly, and that's what my goal is is to deliver perfectly extracted coffee or well extracted coffee, really is no perfect extraction. Um, so you can come in every day and get it, get that great experience. So hopefully when you drink Blue Lagoon coffee or really any specialty coffee, um, you should be getting that balanced kind of sweet cup, not something acidic or not something bitter that's kind of commonly associated with just standard coffee. I guess you know, that's what diner house coffee. Mm-hmm. That's what I do coffee. when I go to like Starbucks and I have to get like a black coffee and I'm like, I fucking hate coffee. Yeah. Coffee is disgusting. And then yeah. I'm like, no, I just had some Blue Lagoon coffee, yeah. and it's fucking that's, really, that's really good. Really, really good point. Yeah, you know, I, if you I, have I, shitty black coffee, it's shitty black coffee. It yeah. can get rough, you yeah. know. And but you know, how the majority of drinkers are out there for what? They're out there for the caffeine. Right. They're out there for that jolt. And so by being able to give people that jolt, alongside something that they can sit and think about, and contemplate, and maybe look like, hey, this tastes really good. I'd like to. Where's it from? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is an Ethiopian, Central American, Brazilian blend. This is our house coffee. This will be like our, our standard house coffee we serve at, at, at Blue Lagoon. Um, this, I, is, this is what you guys are going to serve uh-huh. at Blue Lagoon. Yeah. How did you go about the process of selecting um, your coffee? So when I – well, <clears throat> Derek was asking about kind of how I chose coffee. Yeah. So – it started in like 2003 mm-hmm. when I started making cheese at home. <laughs> cheese? Cheese, yeah. And really, I, I thought think, he was fucking crazy. He's really? Like, you well, I was. My cheese? If you, I'm like, if no, you... you're fucking nuts. No. <laughs> right. Like, cheese, you're like you're, you're from under cheese? I don't want to oh. smell your dick. It's not happening. <laughs> well, my mother-in-law ate a lot of it. She ate, actually ate the most of it. And I was like, <laughs> I'd open it. I'm like, it's cheddar. She's like, it's feta. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But I had this, for some reason, I've always been fascinated with like agricultural <laughs> products and like studying topography and like regions. And so I started with, uh, with, with cheese and making cheese and using raw milk versus, you know, conventional milk and then organic milk and sure. uh, just doing all that stuff. And then I was like, I seriously looked into like opening a creamery and being like, how can I look, look at, look into this? Like, where are the cattle? I got to get close to the cattle facilities. And it was like, I'm looking at, you know, Vermont and just crazy places. Logistical like, nightmare. So like within a day or so, that was just eviscerated. Like that cheese is not a real option. Let's keep it a hobby. <laughs> that rotated into whole grain home brewing with my brother-in-law. We were doing 15-gallon batches at the house, brewing all types of beers. 
that was really fun. The quality of the beer was a little weird. <laughs> but it was also a way that, you know, I got to connect with my, my future wife. You know, one of our first couple of dates, we were in our bathroom scrubbing beer bottles, cleaning, sanitizing equipment, like cleaning it. out carboys. She didn't it, run away? She didn't run away. <laughs> she thought it was really neat and fun and all, I was shocked, but we were just, we were getting into that. And so I made beer a lot and mixed results, but I could never make great beer. Right. And if you've ever made homebrew, it's an eight, eight plus hour Saturday experience. And it, it's more cleaning than you want to know. And I didn't have the, I had great equipment, but not the proper testing equipment to know where I, my temperatures were and different things like that. But, um, I had too much haze in my beer, and um, so which, which now is a good thing. Everyone loves a hazy IPA nowadays. Yeah, yeah, the unfiltered stuff. Right. Um, but so, I, so then I went to beer, and then I really got more into wine from there. Where my brother-in-law were planting grapes, we were growing grapes, we were buying grapes from vineyards out in uh, uh, Temecula. And we were making our own wine, and it was rough wine. It was table wine, but I was really getting into that. And right. Looking, taking classes up at UC Davis and um, viticulture, and and trying to sign up in classes there. And <clears throat> actually, it was insane. And like applied for like vineyard management jobs in in Santa Barbara and Santa Maria, and like was gonna like <laughs> pick up my bags and go up there. Go. Yeah. So I we and went through the wine thing, and then you know when. When my life personally was kind of in this stage of like just absolute struggle, I was always thinking about like, what's my exit? Like, how am I going to get out? And like, then what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to turn away a four-year college degree, all these certific, you know, all this money and time I put in to get these, you know, certifications. And, Mm -hmm. and so I, and having a young family, I started getting turned on to coffee and making coffee at home, pour over coffee and it allowed me to kind of just like tune out and just like spend five minutes and focus on like grind, you know, my pour over strategy and like tasting and thinking about flavors. And like, that was a nice escape for me. And then it like a bell went off where I was like, you know, coffee's a morning thing. I can work the mornings like, you know, uh, beer and wine. That's a, hopefully a, a night thing, but you know, an afternoon to the night, to, <laughs> right. into the evening thing. We hope you're not. Losing yeah. <laughs> and so it, it was, you know, and for me, I just, I was trying to be honest and I was like, it's going to be degenerative for me. You right. know, if I was to open up a beer shop or, and it's, you know, look home brewing in 2003 in San Diego. I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't on trend. Right. It wasn't oh, yeah. like I wasn't early. No, for it wasn't sure. Like no, if it was I, fucking if I, early. If sure. I poured myself. You got to get everything at Brew Mart, probably. Yep. That's where I was going. Was. Linda Vista Road, yeah. Brew Mart, just, you know, crushing everything they could give me, go <laughs> right. online. Whenever I travel for work, I try to find all the little brew shops and find all the little weird gear. Yeah. Really early days, but it was on trend and I didn't know it, but um, at least I look back at that and I, get, I gain confidence from that. Right. That's like, hey, at least I have some fingers on some pulse of what's going on. Um, but yeah, it just came down to what was suitable for my lifestyle and coffee. Um, how I stumbled across it was, you know, through podcasts, really, uh, Scott Carey is, a is a owner of a coffee shop in St. Louis called, um, sump coffee. And his story was amazing where he was a New York kind of hedge fund banker and his brother had passed away in his mid thirties and it, and he moved back to St. Louis just to be with his family. And you know, his life was in shambles as well. 
So he started doing these cool online videos about his new coffee shop and how he kind of broke down coffee and used coffee as this 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 way to kind of heal himself and then connect with the community. But then he ran out of videos and podcasts. Oh, and really? so <laughs> I was like, I'm in. And like, the hooks were in. And I'm like, you know, he's like, I think it's like 10 videos. Uh-huh. And he ran out of content. So I went searching for more content. And that's when I found the Cat and Cloud guys. And so I started listening to all their podcasts and um it was uh it was really fun to listen to them because they're they're super transparent and open just like this podcast mm-hmm. they're talking about all the shit shows all the things that go wrong all the, the the foibles that that they that they can't get right and all these things so i just started listening to their podcast every day and then re-listening to them and my interest in coffee just started blossoming from there um and that's how I kind of knew from day one, like if I could ever make this happen, that those would be the guys I, 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 I would first reach out to to see if they would work with me mm-hmm. um, because they were like the real seedlings of my, 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 my coffee interest. That's awesome. And you found them just through podcast searching. Yeah. I mean, the internet is like blowing my mind. Like I had it's this a great equalizer. I mean, it is like we lived in a world where we grew up and there was a time when the librarians, we would go and they would teach us how to go through the card catalog to find a fucking book so that you could do research and then get a book that was, you know, last updated 10 years ago. I mean, this is, you know, when we went to high school, you know, we, I graduated, we, you and me, we graduated in 2000, Derek, you're right after. And like now you have literally you just Google search. I mean, you fucking home Alexa search. Well, it's even freakier than that. Like, I there's a guy, uh, Randall Graham, who's this famous winemaker out of, uh, I think, the Santa Cruz area, South San Francisco area. He's a huge guy in the wine business. I years ago, I just tweeted at him. I'm thinking of opening an urban winery, da da da, and I would love to get your thoughts. He tweeted me right back. Here's my cell phone number. Call me. Wow. wow. I totally panicked. Right. <laughs> right. I was like, I never call them. And I'm like, I'm not calling this guy. He actually responded. Holy call- shit. He gave you a call to action. I just freaked out like, and was like, this is internet. It's just too weird. <laughs> this is probably some bot or I don't know what it was, but it was just too weird for me. And then I had the same experience with Cat and Cloud. That's where awesome. I made comments on the YouTube page and then Chris would write back like super stoked on your, you know, checking us out and that this is like resonating with you. You and I was like, gosh, I'm like communicating with this guy. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Here? Yeah. And then um, it just kind of blossomed from there. Um, but yeah, the internet to me, I feel like these people aren't accessible. Yeah. You know, I don't, I feel like these, these, these people that I view as like famous people mm-hmm. or stars within their industry, they're just, they're too busy to think about people like us. Like I think of your, your email that you sent me from Gary Vaynerchuk. Isn't that insane? And you're just like, what? Like, yeah. how yeah. is this guy re- responding to you? I think a lot of times we need to get back to understanding that people are still people. Yeah. And I think sometimes you get this uh, vision that they're more than that and that you put them up on some type of pedestal or, or whoever it is. Uh, at the end of the day, they're still people. And, yeah. you know, when I was playing football or whatever, it was, I would never not sign an autograph. I would never turn anything away because we're just people trying to get through life the best we can. And everyone's the same. Everyone's the same. You can't, when you start to think like, Oh, I, I can't email that guy or I, I can't fucking email. Yeah. Or they're too, Call or them. they're too busy. Like, yeah. Or no one's too busy. I mean, the fact, you know, I shared that 
email from Gary Vaynerchuk and it's like, you know, somebody that's out there doing his thing, running his podcast, building his, you know, his Vayner media, all the <clears> things <throat> that he's doing. And he writes a book that was published, you know, six years ago. And in his book is a call to action to, you know, let us know about if you have a Facebook story, you know, let me know. I sent him an email and he fucking responded back. You know, it's like I that's wrote hand to hand combat, I'm right? Doesn't they call to, that hand to hand combat? Pretty much, yeah. It's a jab. I mean, you're. I'm listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast, and he's interviewing Ariana Huffington, who's Huffington Post, and she's mm-hmm. like talking about how to get a hold of her. And she, Tim's like, don't don't give out your email, otherwise, you know, you're gonna all the people that listen, these you know, 200 million people that have downloaded my podcast, you know, they're gonna flood your inbox. She gives out her email. I sent her an email. She's like, I love the story, you know, publish it on this. I was like, how the fuck is Ariana Huffington responding to my email? Well, if you don't do it, you don't know. Right. You know, like if you don't make that call to action, you have never, you have no idea where that door is going to lead. You know, if I didn't send a tweet to Jim Trotter, you know, we wouldn't be as close of friends as we are. You know, after I tweeted him, we become friends. Now I ask him for help for a San Diego love letter challenge to try and keep our chargers in San Diego. And like, he was instrumental in helping me in that, but you have no fucking clue like, why would Jim Trotter have time for, you know, some barbecue restaurant owner? You don't know unless you try. Yeah. What's the worst Taking that happens? that first step and, like, actually doing it and, like, getting over the anxiety or fear of, like, what might happen and what might happen? Or, yeah. Well, we can get we can always get caught up in those, you know, and if you let that dictate what you're going to do, it, it's, it's never going to work. You, you can't get caught up in the what ifs. If you know you're passionate about this and, you know, you know your work ethic and what you can do. You just got to fucking do it. You just got to right. go and do it and believe in your product. And, you know, we were talking the other day, if you start with a good product and then you add, you sprinkle a little bit of good marketing on that, that's a recipe that's going to fucking work. You know, if you start with a great product and you believe in it, just sprinkle a little bit and you're going to start taking off. No doubt. And, you know, you have your one location right now starting up here soon. I mean, I don't know. I think this is going to be a fucking hit, man. This is uh well, this is great that, stuff. I mean, the, the things that we're sprinkling on it is we're spreading knowledge on the internet for free. And right. like, you have no fucking clue what kind of impact that you can make. I mean, Cat and Cloud, they're out of Santa Cruz, you know, and they've inspired you to jump off the entrepreneurial cliff to start your own coffee business. You totally. Know, it's fucking rad. I mean, you know? these guys are catalysts. These guys are pushers. What they're doing is providing a guidepost, an example for others who share common beliefs. They're like, we're not for everybody. But here's our belief system. Here's our value structure. Here's our mission statement. And then what they do is they show you how they live it. Yeah. Like one example I have, which I credit Alex Mars, their director of, of wholesale for, is when I started this process, I was really inundated with coffee. Of like, I know what I like in coffee. I know what I'd like to do in coffee. But there's another. There's two other aspects of it. One is customer service and the other aspect is environment and atmosphere sure like those are the three legs for specialty coffee for me atmosphere customer service and coffee and they're all should be treated equally so i felt confident with the coffee because i was hooking up with people who i really respected and loved their coffee and had drinking through everything that they provided drinking through um but (laughs) um what was amazing is this situation i had with alex where I was first reaching out to him to talk about wholesale and I'm just, you know, knees are knocking. I'm super nervous. I'm just like, God, they're going to, they don't want to dilute their brand with someone like me. Who am I? They're going to see right through me. They're going to know I'm a fake that I I don't know shit. Absolutely. And so I called Alex and he, he called me back and his, just the inflection in his voice was so positive 
and he was so authentic about delivering a customer service experience for me, regardless if we were going to work together or not. And I remember that first conversation I had with him and I was like, this is going to be the spark for how I'm going to have customer service is like, I'm going to live it and I'm going to breathe it. And I'm going to let this conversation, this feeling I got from him, like be kind of the starting point for how I'm going to start building my customer service delivery model. Isn't it crazy when you have that experience? I mean, Derek and I, we talk about it in the barbecue world, you know, people, they get so built up, you know, like people from Mike Mills from 17th Street Barbecue, Gene Goykachea. It's like they build, like you build these people up so much that you're terrified. You know, I'm terrified to go ask Gene for questions when he's the type of person that he just lives it. You know, he lives it and like he comes and he's giving us, Derek and I, all this knowledge on how to put on an amateur barbecue contest. And like you're just waiting for him to send the invoice, you know, like here right. you go. No, like, for sure. Like I'm like, this can't be right, you know, but no, he's genuine in his belief that barbecue is about charity barbecue is about bigging giving back barbecue is way bigger than this one second transaction that i'm and now you know he's i mean he's he's an uncle to my to my son you know i mean he's family yeah no it's the relationships you build and in like you said where you don't think you can make that leap and talk to that person you realize really really quick that a lot of them just want to fucking help the and genuine and, ones. Well, the good, the good companies. You know, obviously, if they have a podcast, they're doing good shit. They got a shit ton of followers. They're doing something right. Those people are usually the ones that are the, the one. I mean, they yeah. want to be able to help and they want to grow. I mean, they don't want. It's not about a you. transaction. It's right. about a long term, lifetime relationship. Yeah, and these know? guys live it. I mean, Chris Baca and Jared Truby and uh, Charles Jack are the three owners of Cat and Cloud. Did they bring you out? Uh, they actually came out and saw me. They came out to see you. Yeah. Get the fuck Jeez. out of here. I mean, I got a question real quick before we go on. Does your mouth ever get used to drinking this shit that hot? Because my, I just burned the fuck out of myself. Really? Is that normal? Or is it just like a little vagina mouth? I think you have a vagina well, mouth. Well, you know, the coffee. <laughs> it's a cute, cute little vagina. <laughs> it's a cute little vagina mouth. Well, so when you look, it's a good it's a good thing to hear, good feedback, because when you brew coffee and you get it transferred into a you know a, a serving vessel, it can be like 175, 185 degrees. What's the right temperature to drink coffee at? I don't know. I like drinking coffee like 160, 165. That's okay. like more drinkable. I like to get a cup of coffee, let it sit a little bit and cool down. Like, I don't know. I haven't drinking Starbucks coffee in a long time, but I used to get it and I couldn't drink it for two hours. Like it was just lava. Right. But uh, we'll serve coffee at around 170, 175 degrees and it'll cool down pretty quickly to 160, 165. Um, but if you let just like wine, just like beer, you let it get to room temperature and you a lot starts coming out. A lot totally. more starts coming out. I Especially with that. white wine. You know, if you want to know how much you like that wine, let it go to room temperature and swish it around your mouth and then you're like this is something totally different dude i tell people about that all the time about beer when we used to do our cicerone classes i'm like wait let it open up a little bit and they're like beer i'm like yes right now when it's that fucking cold it's gonna suppress a lot of those flavors wait till it opens up the aroma is gonna come out even more and yeah it's not as enjoyable to drink but you can get way more flavors so when you're when you're great when you're grading on the you know What's the IBUs on this or what's, you know, what kind of hops are these? It's a lot easier to taste once it gets a little bit warmer. Totally. So talk a little bit about, you know, the business plan itself and what had to go into site selection. And I mean, now, because, you know, a lot of people, they they think about it, you know, they think about sitting in the car and being like, I don't want to fucking go to this job. I want to do it myself. But like that 
took a long time for you to get to where you are, where you're, you know, going to be opening on January 8th and actually transacting. Can't believe you it's know? fucking here. I know Can't it's finally it fucking here. Dude. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So the business process for me, and this is my experience, but like what I listened to your podcast, like what this is like this emotional equalizer is really how I view this podcast. It's like whoever you have on is telling a story that everyone can relate to. It's kind of like, Hey, you're not in alone. Like we're yeah. all feeling these same th- feelings of right. like the first thing I dealt with, the very first thing was this imposter sy- you know, syndrome where I was this, I'm this imposter. I'm a desk jockey in a corporate <laughs> office and now I'm coming into this business and I don't know anything. About- I'm not an expert it's on like, coffee. If I was to ask you to go buy really thick, high grade, I beam steel for downtown high rises now go get me pricing and you want to understand the thicknesses and the strengths yeah, and the alloy no. the, the you know how the schmelter gets it all to get you're like you're just <laughs> imposter you're just yeah. a fake and like so you know i go i started out with trying to read everything i possibly could which gives you this technical knowledge and then where i am now is going from technical knowledge to practical experience and merging the two where I can not just be a book nerd about coffee, but when it comes to running a cafe, just be a complete jackass. Sure. Um, and so well, now there's, I mean, there's the business component. You yeah. can have the passion for coffee, but now ultimately you have to be in business. You have yeah. to make a profit. You have to deal with all the nuts and bolts that it takes to hire somebody to help you run your coffee shop. Yeah. So step one was overcoming this imposter syndrome, which I'm still dealing with. Um, because I haven't opened yet, I'm still dealing with it. But I mean, like, you'll all, you'll always be dealing with it. I'm. I talk about it. I'm not a barbecue expert. Yeah, well, that, you're talking about getting like, on KOSI. Fuck, like you're like, I hope they don't ask me questions about the pecan yeah, wood. Like, <laughs> 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 totally, they're gonna fucking fuck this up. Yeah, and that's you know, there's a thing that. Um, gosh, I wish I could credit exactly who gave it. It, it, it might have been a Cat and Cloud podcast, but it was that. You know, if you really are passionate about something, then you really want to drive towards being a master. And to be a master, you have to be willing to be a fool because no one's born a master. Right. So if you're not willing to be a fool, you'll never be a master. Taking those first steps. So go mm-hmm. in. Like, uh, that's what that's me and my coffee shop. I'm a little bit of I Love Lucy back there at times, <laughs> you know? And it's, uh, it's okay. Like, I'm willing to look foolish, look silly, ask dumb questions, fuck up my brew ratios, make my grind, like, figure out my grinder, not... You know, with my employees, you know, that I'm hiring and being like, I need you to help me figure out this equipment. Sure. You know, I've, only, I've only read the manual four times. I don't know how it works in real bar flow. Right. So I'm really embracing that that fool role of like, I'm a fool and that's okay. Like, because I will grow out of this stage into another stage, which on my path to being a master. Hopefully. That humility is going to help you grow so much. I mean, honestly, that humility that you're talking about right there is going to help you grow more than you even understand right now i mean you can think like oh i'm gonna look like a fool it's not even about that you're allowing yourself to learn and not trying to be this fucking know-it-all yeah right and saying that i know everything and you're saying okay i'm gonna take all this in right now you teach me help me understand you know i had to do the same shit when it was uh the transition with groceries when i was doing the meat department the whole time and i'm like dude now i have to go into these perishable groceries and I don't fucking know, but I think I should know. I should have already known probably, but I don't fucking know. So I'm talking to the managers that I employ him. I pay his fucking checks. And I'm like, hey, let's go upstairs. Teach me. 
because I don't, I don't, I don't get what's going on. Like we got this, and you know, why why are we switching this out? And what this came on ad, and you know, all these different things that I didn't really understand. It's like now you better fucking understand it, but you have to be humble about it and know that you don't know everything. And guess what? It's okay. Yeah, because it's a starting point, and it's where you have to grow. I mean, yeah. sidebar is I work with a consultant, Lee Safar from Elixir Specialty Coffee, and we kind of work on this, um, these, these a little bit of a value structure. And um, um, you work on the why. Yeah, we work on the why, um, which it has to be the core of your business, right? I mean, you get like you hired. It, this is who you hired to help you with your HR stuff, right? No, she helped me more kind of formulate my value structure about like, what do I want in my business? And like the first thing I wanted with my business, which is what all business owners want is peace of mind. They want to create value. They want to create opportunity for others. Um, I, I lost my train of thought on, um, on what there is. There was something about Lee that I wanted to, to, to bring up, but I'll, I'll come back around to it in, in a minute. But um, now talk about your employees. Now, you're going to start out with how many? One, two? I Because you're going to be an employee, right? I'm working full time. Fuck yeah, you I are. I mean, I, I got it. I, you know, I minimum got Minimum wage? How much are you paying yourself? Minimum wage. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I, like I mean, I'm, I'm working full time. A little bit less than what you're making doing commercial real estate, right? A little, a little bit, bit less. <laughs> a little bit less. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'll be working full time. I just hired a manager, uh, Naya Rodriguez. She is like a local legend. She used to manage the Serenal Valley, uh, Copa Vida. She's, you know, universally respected. She's a, an unbelievably hard worker. She's just oozing with passion. Where'd you find her? Through Lee. Okay. You know, Lee, uh, when I met with Lee, she was running some seminars for baristas only and coffee people only, kind of like a map it forward class is what it's called about. If you're a barista working minimum wage, you know, you got to figure out a way for you to make this a career or you got to figure out a way to do something else because you can't be working a minimum wage job for five years and Smart. expect to do anything with it. Mm -hmm. So she runs these seminars, map it forward with just some amazing people, Scott Rayo and um, some other people as well. But um, I signed up for one of her classes and the day before the class, I was like just reaching out, trying to connect. And she was like, are you an owner? Cause she's Australian. And so she, and I was like, yeah, I own a shop. I want to come in kind of steal a bunch of information. And she was like, yeah, you're uninvited. You're not allowed to come here. Like this is for the benefit of like employees only. And, um, so our relationship started off kind of goofy, but, um, I just reached back out to her and I was like, I'd love to get together and chat and let you know what I'm doing and kind of let you know who I am and what I'm all about. And she has set me down this amazing path of, meeting all these different individuals within, within coffee and and stripping away that intimidation and making me feel less worried about being an imposter is that the coffee community is by and large i mean there's there, there's 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 weird pockets of, of coffee about like you know snobbery and things like that but by and large the coffee community is unbelievably open they're willing to share anything they're super transparent um and I'm super thankful for that. I mean, she has been my biggest asset. I mean, that's today. good for you for getting rejected and then going back because just because she's not inviting you to the class doesn't mean that she doesn't have a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. You know, and you reach back out to her and just ask for a conversation to continue your education. And yeah. And that's what I, you know, that's what it was. Um, it's empowering. <laughs> It, it's really empowering. But what she taught me, which which is what I forgot a, a second ago, which was um, 
being vulnerable is that I never felt like I could be vulnerable because I'm owner. Right. And I'm the, you know, the check writer or whatever. Because mm-hmm. that's how I felt when I was in my commercial real estate career. It's very, there's a hierarchy. And when you're up in the hierarchy, you can't be vulnerable. And we've had many conversations about being vulnerable and that the best way you're going to connect with your employees is showing them that you can be vulnerable. Like you said, like, hey, I don't know how to do this produce section. Right. I need to talk to whoever I need to talk to to learn about how to do it better. Totally. And so in every interview I've And it's at, hard. Yeah, it's it, well, yeah, it well, it's hard because it, it attacks your ego. Sure, mm-hmm. that's why it's hard. So, like, she helped me look at ego and look at hierarchy structures and figuring out, like, are you some alpha male and you some alpha chimp and you want to go? And like, <laughs> you, I mean, it, yeah, it's like we're very susceptible to dominance hierarchies and and we feel threatened if we aren't uh, moving up one or don't feel like we're at the top of one. Right. And so she, in every interview I've had with any employee or, or, or interviewee, we, I've ex, you know exposed some type of vulnerability that, I, that I've had about either fear of failure, this imposter syndrome I've talked about, or, you know, what are we going to do and all this. And like, I think people have been kind of surprised that like I'm being open and vulnerable. It's a breath of fresh air. Like literally they come into an interview and they're like, why? I don't understand what's going on. I'm going to get grilled. Like, you know, I'm expecting to answer all these standard questions that come from a fucking script. And all of a sudden this person's like, they're actually, they're sharing with me who they are and what they have, their hopes, their dreams and their vulnerabilities. And all of a sudden you're like, this is a, it's a different playing field. Totally. Totally different playing field. You know what? It's helped me. It's helped me not have to carry this persona of like boss. Like I tell people in interviews. The only thing I did was organize the equipment and the lease and the, the it, putting all the Lego pieces together. Mm-hmm. What, that doesn't give me, or I don't take that as a license to treat you differently or or have some superior knowledge. Like it's, I want to have a f- more of a flat structure, not this kind of cone structure where I'm on top and you're below me, just because I organized a lease and some equipment. Like, sure, that's all I did. Like I need you to be aligned with me, so we have. At Blue Lagoon Coffee, we have a priority to have profit sharing from day one. Awesome. So we have a 10% profit sharing with um, with our core employee, our, our current manager. Uh, it's a model that I took from Cat and Cloud. Awesome. That just creates alignment, mm-hmm. you know, um, which a little bit ahead of myself, you know, when, the, when you first asked me about this whole business process. Well, and you're talking about profit right away, too. That's profit sharing on, on profit that's not necessarily there yet. Yeah, potentially. That's, that's scary. Yeah. I mean, because you don't know. I mean, you don't have to do that. You don't have Absolutely. to give anybody anything. Yeah. But you're already. It might out take there you saying, three years to turn a profit. Fuck. It totally could. It's hope not. It shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I started this process, how I internalized it was that, and I can be hyperbolic, but it was like I was betting everything I've ever done on this venture. And so when I start with that premise of like, all of those years in school, all of those experiences, like it puts pressure on me, but I'm like, I feel like I'm betting everything. Right. And so like fear of failure comes in, mm-hmm. but I'm saying, all right, if I'm going to make this bet, how am I going to make the bet? All right, let's start off with, I got to get the best location I can find. I got to have good traffic. I want diverse neighbors. I want to have some walkability. I want to be on the way to the freeway in the mornings, not in the afternoon, coming back to work. So some of my real estate background helped me there. But it starts building on itself where you say, all right, let's start with location. Let's go with equipment. And, you know, it's like if I fail, 
I want to fail knowing that I gave my best effort, mm-hmm. which can tend to make you overspend on equipment sure, and overspend sure. on build out, which I definitely have done some of that. Um, and then the same goes with people of if I'm going to do this, I'm going to either succeed or fail. I want to make sure I gave myself the best possibility to succeed. So I got to try to find the best people possible and I can't be afraid to pay them. I can't be afraid to pay for talent. You know, what's $13 an hour versus sixteen fifty an hour? The difference is maybe you surviving or failing. And so I have just kind of as gone on and on and on and kept building upon this. If I'm going to make this bet and the, and, and, and how, you know, I don't want to leave anything short and, uh, which has kind of led me to try to hire the best people possible, have the best equipment possible, the best consultants I can have. Um, so I can put myself in a, in a position to succeed, hopefully. Sure. Well, you succeed or not succeed. I mean, you're putting yourself out there ultimately. And that's, you know, the toughest part about the entrepreneurial path is we make micro decisions all day long. We make all these decisions that are going to affect our business and our ability to stay in business. And ultimately you have to do the best you can with the resources that you have, you know, like now you're at a point where you're getting ready to open up your shop. You got, you've worked your ass off to get past the health inspection, to move your toilet sick three inches over because it wasn't in the the right fucking squad right now. MC Hammer dance. So actually, this is a perfect video. So on your uh, Instagram, your Blue Lagoon Coffee Instagram, uh, there's a picture of you, uh, MC Hammer, MC Hammer, MC yeah. Hammer pantsing uh, your A. Yeah, and this was let's a talk, rare. Let's talk about our sit down that we talked about. Um, you know, because a lot of people there, if they're a barbecue team or if they're a catering company, like they're talk brand. Why? How are you going to market yourself? What are you going to market? I mean, these things are things that we have to think about every single day, you know, how are you going to run your website? What social media is going to be important for you? Um, talk about a little bit about our conversation that we had. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pup in this, in this, uh, marketing, this kind of self-marketing business marketing game. And I'm learning a ton from you guys from the podcast, but just having one-on-one conversations with you, Sean. Um, it's tough. It's tough. And by no means am I an expert and by no means is there anyone an expert. I mean, everything changes so quickly. It's just so important that it we're content and context world. And like the people that we're connecting to are the people that are just sharing their journey. It's not overproduced. It's not, you know, cat and cloud. They drew you in because they're just like, dude, fuck, you know, we're trying, we're trying to make content and some of it's shitty and some of it's great. And, you know, these are our goals and ultimately this is what it is, you know? Yeah. You know, I'll say one of the things that I've, I, I was, when I started my build out, what I, my, what my goal was is to document my build out and let people work through the build out with me. And then in the future, if once I was up and operating and people had a question, how'd you get this thing started? Mm-hmm. I had a big, I had a, I could point them back to my Instagram and be like, you can watch it from, you know, soup to nuts all the way from the beginning, all the way to the end. And what happened with me, which is a very common, which what's happened to a guy, James Hoffman, who's a coffee critic and uh, producer out of uh, Europe, is he was like, my business and my life got in the way of me being able to capture the content where I'd, I'd start my day and I would do a little clip of me going to the shop and I start talking with vendors and contractors and I couldn't capture those moments. And so at the end of the day... I captured some other shots, but then I'd go home and try to filter the content into a coherent narrative. And I had huge voids in my narrative and I just couldn't produce any of the content. So it just yeah. went away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not the type 
uh, yet to like stick cameras in people's faces. And I know mm-hmm. people were really reluctant to whip out cameras and, you know, Chris, Chris Baca <laughs> is a vlogger. He's a famous blogger and he feels the same way at coffee throwdowns and, or, and, and different going into new shops to introduce himself. He's just like, it's hard to come in with a camera in your face, even sure. though you want to, vlo- you want to capture that initial experience. And I just, I just ran into a ton of that where it was just so all this partial capturing of what I was doing and I felt uncomfortable sharing mm-hmm. this impartial or imperfect kind of narrative and that no one really understand it. So I've, you know, I've just kind of been learning as I go along. Well, it's, you're trying to like the toughest thing is finding your voice, you know, personally finding your voice, but also finding the voice for your brand and your company. And, you know, those are things that, you know, in the old business world back when, you know, we were in school and like, it was, this is your corporate life. You know, this is the image that the company is portraying. And then this is your personal life, which is separate. Like it's like, as an entrepreneur, you live your life like with coffee. I mean, you know, you have embraced the fact that, you know, in the morning you're making coffee with Kobo, you know, and like you're making cool little heart designs, you know, for Kobo. And like, that's, part of your inspiration is like, how do I, you know, add menu items for parents, right? And how do I add menu items for people that have dogs, you know, those things, but that's your inspiration. And that's, that's the documentation. It's not so much of, I've got to produce this perfectly dad making perfect coffee with his daughter. Like, you know, we're every, we're a perfect family. It's, it, we're just who we are. Like, I'm just, I'm trying to fucking figure out a new menu item, right? you know? And like, it came because of, you know, inspiration because of your father, son, father, daughter moment. Totally. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier too. And just being, you know, humble and and understanding that it's a process, embrace the process and be transparent and and vulnerable. And to be honest, people eat that up. People that's, they want to have that organic feel, you know, they want to be vested in something that they don't feel staged, that they don't feel is just overproduced or, um, and they can really say, Hey, I know Jack and that's fucking Jack all day long doing a fucking MC hammer dance. Like that's my guy. Like <laughs> that, I, that's exactly when, right. when, when I see that video, it's like, that's my fucking Jack. That's my guy. I, yeah. I know him. That's who he is. Yeah. You guys can probably relate to this, but that was one of those rare moments as a business owner where you can revel a little bit in kind milestone. of a milestone because I don't know what it's like for everybody, but for me is that I get, very limited pleasure from accomplishment mm-hmm. and i just go put myself through hell for the things i don't accomplish <laughs> right you know it's like yeah okay i gotta win that's fine but it's just like that when i don't accomplish something that i set out to do it's really a it can be tough to overcome and so a lot of it's like opening a cafe like i don't have nearly the excitement or like like oh i did it like that i thought i would when i first started this it's more of just like let's just get it right like let's get our heads down let's Let's get our bar flow down. Let's get our customer service delivery model down. Let's get working with our vendors down. Like I'm more focused on that stuff right now, and I have very but little time for the excitement. Really, but you're, but you're the most the most important thing is to celebrate those memorable moments that happen in business along the way because it's never going to be finished. Yeah, you know, gotta- you've ran a marathon to get your coffee shop open. You had to move a fucking toilet three inches this building was constructed was just yesterday <laughs> literally like literally couldn't get your health code because this this toilet was three inches too far to one side for ada requirements you know you're working through all those struggles when you're planning on opening but you can't open no. you can't open because you're waiting on the health department so it's like celebrating those little victories and 
doing it in a social way where you're socially sharing and celebrating the, the struggles. I mean, it's like, fuck, dude, like I've, I've spent all this money on, on architects. I've spent all this money on contractors. People have told me this. I've been, you know, promised this. This didn't happen. And like, fuck, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be open for, you know, coffee today. I know we wanted to. I know we wanted to open in 2017, but we're going to be open in 20. Like that happens all over the world. Totally happens all over the world. And like being willing to share that actually makes brings people in. And be willing, like, coming out of my experience, it's like, be so willing to embrace the unknown. Like, going through so many things, like, I started out with a five-week permit process that would turn into 14 and a half weeks. <laughs> and when I started this whole thing, I remember I said, Jack, you'll ruin this thing if you get upset about anything. If you get emotional and upset and you start, you, you try to bring the boomstick on somebody, you're going to, you're going to spoil, you know, you're going to spoil this process. So... I just literally smiled through almost every setback. You know, I had a crew on site. You know, we, I brought them in food. Cause I was thinking, I was like, you know, don't go off site for an hour. Like, I'll go get pizzas. We'll bring them back. Or I'll go get burritos and bring it back. You know, I did that one week and they all got food poisoning and they were out of work for seven days. And it was like, how do you plan no for that? As a, Yeah. How do you plan for that as a business owner? You know, you can't. Oh, shit. Or, you know, um, the toilet situation or... You know, the, you know your your vendors just getting too backed up, and they're like, I just can't be on site for another ten days. It's like, well, I thought you'd be here every day. I, I'm your only guy, right? But instead of getting frustrated with it, it's like you got to start out with kind of a little bit of a mantra of just like, I got to smile through all this and just keep working at it and not letting it slow me down and discourage me and thinking that well, this will never happen. It's like. I couldn't predict any of these things that happened, and I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. I mean, I'm in a my building's only 15 months old that I'm in, and I had to do significant renovations to sure. it, which would, it just passed permit inspection 15 months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have easily gotten upset because of the money, because of the time, because of the delays. You know, I'm hiring people, and I'm saying we're, we're going to start work in two weeks, and that got pushed back six weeks. Well, they left their job, and they're looking to you know, start making income and how does that affect them? So instead of getting frustrated and upset and how unfair it is, it's just smile through it, laugh through it. I mean, use it it as a tool. I mean, the the voicemail that we start the podcast with, I mean, it's literally a tool. Had I just sat there and been like, Oh God, how he, he was so mean to me. And like, how could I ever be in business? Like, you just move on. You fucking put your pants on, you move on, you, you move your, you move on, you figure out a way to do what you want to do and make it happen. And there's at the end of the day, like that's all, that's, that's what we got. Yeah. You know? There's always going to be variables that you cannot control. And to think that you can all the time is silly. So what you're saying is, I mean, it hits home with me because a lot of times I get mad over things that I can't control because I, I try to, you know, do everything perfect or whatever. And it's like, dude, you can't control that. Let it go. Let it, it is what it is. And it's not about what happened. It's about how the fuck you react to it. And that's been my biggest thing that I've learned in the last five years, probably. It's like, dude, I can't fucking control everything and do everything perfect. Laugh about it, whatever it is that helps you, and get over it and fucking move on to the next thing. Because when your you employees fixate, see that, your vendors see it, the people, your insurance agents see it, mm-hmm. the bankers you work with see it. Yeah, I remember there was, uh, it, trust me, this was super frustrating to deal with at times, but my... Uh, my brother-in-law, John, he had this thing where he had like a policy that he wouldn't react to anything negative the day it happened. 
and like for me it's like hey fire on you know aisle five like, let's <laughs> react <laughs> ah and he wouldn't react right. he'd go and he'd take the time to like settle his thoughts think it through several different dynamics of it and he'd come back the next day and put a plan of action in place right and that wasn't fast enough for me. So like frustration was brewing for me, but for him as a leader, as a CEO of a business, he, that's, that's what he, that's how he, that's the set he had to put in place to be able to get through those moments. Cause he couldn't just walk around reacting to everything that bad that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, being a leader is about being able to react appropriately when the, the issues pop up, sure. you know, and then being like, I, might, I don't have the answers now, so I'm not going to react, but. Give us some time. We can go back and we can brainstorm. We can spitball and and find a solution. But rarely do you find the person who can react right in the moment with the perfect response and get the, the result you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very a, true. That's a, yeah. That's a, a big thing is not overreacting. You know, we, we can say it as Just much. Just try not reacting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's going to exactly. be your best defense. Yeah. I, I have a lot of times when people will tell me things <laughs> that I, I just, I'm like, yeah, Okay. And I don't, don't really yeah. give them the reaction they wanted or, you know, sometimes a, an employee, you, you'll run into this at some point, will try to bait you on something. And, you know, if you just don't give them that reaction and they're like, oh, man, I, I had this whole scenario drawn up because you were, you were supposed to say this and then I was going to come back with this and then it was going to be like this big thing. And it's like, no, see ya. I mean, it, it's fine. See you later. They're like, oh man, that I thought this can go a whole different way. Like, yeah. Nope, not getting that out of me, buddy. Yeah, Sorry. we have a thing we're trying to do is which is identifying invitations, and I'm trying to work it into our into our onboarding, which is typically more with customers mm-hmm. of like customer comes in under caffeinated, hasn't any food, <laughs> and it's like they're going to offer you all these invitations to get into an argument, to be disgruntled, and it's like it's a skill to start honing about like identifying invitations to get sideways and to get nasty and to get uh, off message. And the more you can talk to your team, the more you can talk to yourself and the more you can read and hear about other people's experiences of how I dealt with a disgruntled person, how I dealt with a vendor that was always late or not billing me properly or whatever it is and identify the invitations and then don't accept them, Mm -hmm. you know, handle them on your own terms. Don't take the invitation from the disgruntled customer who comes in with his hair on fire. Yeah. Like, why should that knock you off where you are? I actually just saw that um, last night. I went and picked up my wife's prescription at Target. And, I mean, the line for the prescriptions was just outrageous. The poor pharmacist behind there was just getting eaten up, like, bad. People were – she didn't – I mean, there was only her and, and two other people there. Some prescriptions weren't filled yet. Some were at, sent to other locations. And the way she handled it when I came up, I just told her, I'm like, I want to tell you you're doing an amazing job because the way you handle those people, I was like, as a business owner, that is awesome. And she's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. She's like, it's been really hard. It's flu season. I'm like, I get it. But the way you handled those people and you didn't overreact and you didn't, you know, allow them to dictate who, who you were and, and, and your response was, was, awesome and she's like oh my god you know i'm i'm just so thankful you saw that and it's it's true you cannot let someone else dictate how you how, how you run your day but isn't isn't it amazing that you you took the time to tell her that mm-hmm. and how much it changed like 
so like you didn't do it selfishly but oh. like the fact that she recognized that you did that i mean there's so many moments of opportunity throughout everybody's day where you see somebody that's doing something above and beyond and if you take the time to just tell them hey you're doing a really fucking great job and right. like it, it it'll change everything and it could have just been one more person that yeah did that to her and she's like fuck you i'm yeah, out like exactly. you know, I'm done, you know what <laughs> I mean? totally. but it might have just gave her another hour or two sure. to deal with this rush of of bullshit you know, people like you're saying, the people that are under caffeinated, she's dealing with sick people that are fucking coming in, want their medicine. They want to, you know, can't even breathe. And or even in your shop, you may be, pe- you know, working with people who are shopping hungry. Yeah. yeah. And they're yeah. pissed. Yeah. And yeah. Their sugar levels are low. And guess what? They're volatile. <laughs> yeah. But. So talk about what are you going to do? Like you have 5 million things on your plate to do. What do you need? What are you f- focusing on for, for marketing your business, digitally marketing your business? Uh it's early, you know, I'm because this happened. I mean, everyone, th- there's 5 million things you have to do and you just have to hone it down. Right. And you got to find out what's that core and what's going to be important. So w- what are you going to work on? You know, my, uh, my Instagram is, I enjoy Instagram the most. Mm-hmm. It's the most user friendly for me. Um, I'm not, you know, Facebook and Twitter are areas I got to get stronger in, mm-hmm. got to get more, more active in. Um, but I think my initial strategy is just to get more local and get, you know, start creating rings around my shop and being like, I got to introduce myself because next to me is a church, Collier's Park, uh, office complex, condos, liquor store, craft kitchen, a Denny's, Palm Springs apartments. Better. I'm in a mixed use building. It's a very diverse mix. So like, you know, my first goal is to introduce myself to that community get into the residential and just work out from there, go to more events, you know, talk to Mary England at the chamber of commerce more, get more involved with her. She's a hoot, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> if you like hot pistols, right. I love Mary England. but, um, so it's, that's more of a, you know, there's a physical strategy, there's a digital strategy. And, uh, I think I'm initially focused on the, the physical strategy more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I've got to do more reading and getting just where's my happy place with digital marketing. Cause I've mm-hmm. also, I've gone too far where I'm like, I tried posting every day, mm-hmm. which I think is super critical. This was like early days when I started blue lagoon and it became something that I didn't enjoy That's because I was trying to create, I wasn't documenting. I was probably doing a little bit of both, but um, it's really early days with me on that. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I'm green in it and like uh, I'm, I need work and help on it. Sure. But, you know, working with you and getting some recommendations on some readings and things like that. Sure. I've been helpful. Well, absolutely. I mean, just basic stuff. And the response like- has been crazy. Like when I post stuff and I get, you get 15 comments and you're going back with four from somebody and all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, how you, your kids and all this stuff. It's a connection. And I yeah. think that's what you're always hitting on is that the social media is an opportunity to connect. Sure. And when you connect, you create relationships and then you can create loyalty and then you create long lasting relationships. And sure. so... That's where I want to focus on is just connecting via social media with more and more people, sure. not being worried about the imagery that I'm creating and like, what does that imagery represent of Blue Lagoon Coffee? I think that's the toughest thing. And, you know, there's a book I just finished, I actually just brought it with me, Top of Mind by uh, John Hall. Everything we talk about is in the show notes, but I highly recommend it for everybody listening to this podcast. It's it talks about content marketing. It talks about literally how people, how you become top of mind. And there's so many opportunities to become top of mind 
to whoever we we have the sphere of influence when we go out and we go to the goals game and we're down at the goals game and you know i bring my wife i bring my son but we see somebody that you know is from cal coast credit union or we see somebody from fox 5 it's like those are opportunities for us to interact and to find out what's going on in their life but we're there at a shared experience we're there at a goals game i mean it's those are things that but you have to physically put yourself out there and then the documenting and the social social aspect that's just that's all gasoline on top you know kind of like what uh, grayson said you know it's like you have to be willing to put yourself out there to go and do those difficult things to make those real world interactions because you can't just document bullshit no you actually have to go and do it totally you have to, you have to live that live it and do it and breathe it and just be completely vested in it you know i'm i'm really excited to see, see how this goes man I'm, that's awesome well that was like my experience at the barbecue fest this year like putting myself out there crazy and huh? like how i can make a connection <laughs> i remember just being so nervous and having no idea what to expect and like so nervous to the point where i was like oh, i can't charge for coffee like <laughs> you know what if they say no yeah and they don't want it or whatever and I had an amazing experience at the at the barbecue fest, the Spring Valley barbecue fest, and I remember driving home and like it's uh, it's I, draining. I, you put yourself well, out. I mean, you you put yourself out there. No, I drove. I remember I drove home. And I was I drove home by myself. My wife had helped me. She had to go help with the kids, and like there were like tears in my eyes because I was so nervous to start the day off, and I felt as if it was going to go so bad. And the reviews of the coffee or, you know, whatever, how I was going to prepare it was going to go so bad. And I drove home and I was like, that went so well. I had more positive interactions with people. I had, I sold 250 drinks sold. I gave away 250 drinks. No one, everyone was so kind. People came back. I had 12 job applications that were dropped off to me. And I was like, I was shocked at how they people reacted to me and how much pleasure and enjoyment I got out of sharing with the community and getting that feedback and like exposing myself and being vulnerable and then having it reciprocated like 10 times back. Yeah. And I remember like, this is why I did this. I got in it. I left the desk job that I was miserable at and depressed and circling the drain so I could get nervous again. So I could have excitement in my life again and have an accumulation of a bunch of positive experiences, be it just a three-minute interaction with exchanging coffees. And mm -hmm. in one day, I had 250 interactions, and I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm on the right path. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any better way to close out the podcast with, with that story. I mean, just perfect. You you did it. You're doing it. And you're, you're on your journey. So we wish you nothing but uh, success. And you know, we don't have to tell you, but anything – that Sean and I can do. We're, we're there 100%. Awesome. Thanks for we're, having me on. We're also going to do, start doing some podcast meetups. So, uh, Facebook, uh, if you go behind the smoke, we're going to start posting events in there. We always go and visit the, the places and the people that come and share their stories. And we want anybody that's here locally, or if you're in town, uh, we want you to join us so we can all hang out and, uh, have some awesome coffee over there. Yeah, and hopefully from this day forward that there'll be Blue Lagoon coffee in here when you do future podcasts. Ooh, we like I'm only that. a hop, skip, and Ooh, a jump away. Like that. That's it. So I can just drop some coffee and some cups over. There you over. go. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're cooking with peanut oil. I like it. <laughs> Love it. Right on. Awesome, thanks thanks Thank for tuning in, guys. Thanks.